Let no man despise thy youth. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul is writing to a younger man named Timothy. Uh, it said uh, by some that Timothy was about 35 years old, which is very interesting. I think uh, 35 years old, according to this passage then, if uh, Paul calls him uh, young, then 35 is young. And so uh, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, so who is older than 35? But praise God, I feel like a young man. I'm not in that demographic. But let no man despise thy youth, Timothy, but... Be thou an example of the believers, and then it goes on and on there, describing a bunch of attributes that a young man uh, should have. You know, I was with Metro Baptist Church uh, on Friday, and I preached for their chapel. Uh, just right here in this room, they have six children, six precious souls and young people in the congregation, if you will. It was a really small uh, meeting, but I just challenged them for five minutes. I said, look at the text, let no man despise thy youth. What does that word despise mean? You know, if words have meaning and language has integrity, then ideas matter. And so let's slow down a little bit, because many times we'll rush through these passages without really thinking what individual words mean. The word despise there means, Paul writes to Timothy, let no man look down upon or abhor or hates, or just because you are young, make excuse or provision to not come to the things of the Lord or trust Christ because of your life. Just because you are young, hey, let no man despise your youth. And I think of our teenagers, I think of our young people, I, I, I've been uh, a part of the youth group here at Anchor Baptist Church, and by God's grace, uh, having the opportunity to preach here, I don't take it lightly. Uh, this is a great opportunity. And I think that many of our teenagers are growing in the things of the Lord and growing in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I think it's kind of a two-step, three-step dance. You know, we'll take, you know, two steps back, three steps forward, one step back, two steps forward. And it'll be like a roller coaster or like the stock market. You never know, like, oh, he's up today. Oh, she's down. And, you know, you never know how everyone is doing sometimes until you look at their face and their countenance and you ask them some questions and then sometimes they want to avoid you, uh, whether you're a pastor or an adult or an authority figure in their life or maybe even their peers, they don't even want to talk to them. But let no man despise thy youth. You know, you know, you know back in my uh, times at seminary and Bible school, <laughs> Um, they, they would teach the preacher boys how to preach. They would say, all right, you need to have a homiletical outline, okay? You got to have your proposition. You got to have point one, point two, point three. And under each subpoint, or uh, under each point, main point, you want subpoints. You want letter A and letter B. And at the end, you want to have a gripping illustration or a poem. And that's going to get everyone all riled up. And, you know, you'll have a lot of people at the altar in the invitation for that. You know, that's not my goal today, and I'm kind of a rambler, so please forgive me. I'm just going to look at the text. Now, I'm just going to read it. I'm just going to explain it. That's kind of how I do things. And so wherever the Lord leads, wherever the Lord leads. And so I look at that next word that I really want to highlight in this passage. Let no man despise thy youth, Timothy. Personally, your youth. Don't let anyone despise your youth. You, Timothy, you be an example among the believers. Timothy, Kim, you be an example among the believers. Jeriah, Gloria, even Ezra, yeah. Each and every one of us. So let no man despise your Amen. youth. But, but instead, 
be thou an example of the believers. I asked the kids at Metro, what does it mean to be an example? And all their hands shot up in the air, and they, they said, Brother Kevin, I know the answer, I know the answer. To be an example means to show somebody how to do something. And all of them kind of had the same answer. They all were saying, show, show, show. That was the word that they wanted to use. And to be an example is to show people how they ought to be. Right? To show uh, people how they can show the love of Christ and you're faithful to the word, you're faithful uh, to his church. And it says, be thou an example. And as I considered that first word uh, at the beginning of the kind of phrase there, uh, be. You know, you can't do something for God until you've been with God. We are human beings, not human doings. We gotta abide in the secret place. Amen. Amen. We are human beings, not human doings. And you know, I, I, I tell people this all the time. You know, God doesn't want you to do something for Him. <gasps> Pastor, you can't say that. God doesn't want you to do anything. No, no, no. Listen, listen. God wants to do something through you. Amen. You know, the prayers that God answers are the ones that begin in heaven. Everything begins with God. Everything ends with God. Amen. Let it start with God. Let's start with God in your life. Let's start with God in my life. Hey, be an example. Be you an example among the believers. You know, I was just talking with Brother Yassine and Brother Mehdi. We had a great time of fellowship uh, recently. Uh, we just went out to a fast food restaurant. Nothing like, you know, sit, sitting around a, a, a desk and eating chicken, you know. And, and Yassine's like, man, you know, um, don't, 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 uh, don't we need to love the Lord? Don't we need to love the Lord more? And I was encouraged by that, you know, uh, just peers in my life uh, encouraging me. And I, as I was talking to uh, Brother Matty and I was talking to Brother Yassine, I, I just remembered, hey, you know, when, when they see Brother Yassine, when they see me, is the first thought that they think of, is it Jesus? It ought to be. When they see the life of uh, uh, Medi, when they see the life of Brother Lopez, Mrs. Lopez, do they think of Jesus? That should be the first thing. It shouldn't be, wow, like, you know, what, what a sharp young man he is. Or he has all his Christian T's crossed and his eyes dotted. Is he a Christ-like man? Is he a Christ-like lady? Uh, Melina Jung, does she love the Lord? Amen, right? Hey, uh, let's uh, examine the next part there. It says, in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Do my words edify? Do your words build up? Do they encourage? When someone leaves your presence, are they encouraged or discouraged? Do, do they think more of Jesus, or do they think less of Jesus? Now, we tell people all around, hey, Jesus is God, and he loves you, but if we, we say something with our mouths and our hearts and our lives do not demonstrate the love of Christ, we, we are not really communicating correctly as God would have us to. You know, communication only takes place if the other party catches the ball. And I realize in my own life, it's very easy to be a hypocrite. You know, put on a suit and tie and pretend to be Mr. Holy. Or, you know, put on a nice dress and say, you know, today is 
my one day of the week where I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to attend church and fill a pew or fill a seat. But God is more interested in what's on the inside, and what's on the inside will come out on the outside. So let's turn to 1 Samuel 16. I want you to consider this. 1 Samuel 16. Your conversation in charity, that's your love. Are you known for your love? Are you known for your hate? Are you known, am I known for my coarse words and my evil motives? In spirit, in spirit, do you have an excellent attitude? Daniel in the Bible, he was known for having an excellent spirit. There was an excellent spirit in him, in faith. For all I take him, faith. Faith, great faith. We're thinking of faith promised missions. God has allowed us to give over and above, and God is exceeding abundant. And I thank the Lord for these things. And purity, that's holiness, that's uprightness in your walk and in my walk. You know, when I consider the life of David, as we're going to read about shortly, I consider the testimony of his dad. I consider the testimony of his dad. I've actually circled verse 18, 1 Samuel 16, verse 18. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite. Uh, hey, he's good at playing the harp. He's cunning in playing. He's a mighty, valiant man and, 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 uh, and a man of war and prudent in manners and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. This is talking about David, but... Uh, the, the testimony of his son reflected well on his father, too. And he was called the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. I wrote right, 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 uh, right under uh, that, that final phrase of verse 18, the Lord is with him. Is that your resume? <laughs> is that my resume? Hey, the Lord is with him. The Lord is with him. And in 1 Samuel 16, we find Samuel selecting a candidate to be the next king because Saul had failed. Saul had made some bad decisions as the first king of Israel, and now God is on the hunt for a new leader, a new spiritual leader, not just a governmental leader, not just a political leader, but a spiritual leader. And you see in uh, verse 10, the prophet Samuel is with uh, Jesse, and Jesse is allowing seven of his sons uh, to see Samuel, and uh, he's checking to see which one is he going to take. And so you see, uh, verse 10, many of us familiar with the story, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord hath not chosen these. And uh, Samuel said unto Jesse, are, are here all thy children? And uh, he said, there remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. You know, the shepherds were looked down upon. Not a lot of people thought very highly of the shepherds. They, they, they thought, you know, uh, if, if we're going to let someone take out the trash or uh, if we're going to let someone uh, do the, the, the lowest rung on the ladder kind of job, it, it would be like, like, like how we say, oh, you're going to mow the lawn or you're going to uh, take, the, take these items out to the dumpster. We don't need them anymore. That's the kind of task being a shepherd was. And you, you, you notice how Jesse talks about his youngest son. He says, 
yeah, th- there's the youngest, but you're not going to want him. He keeps the sheep. He keepeth the sheep. He keeps the sheep. That, that is, he guards the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him. We're not going to sit down until he come hither. We're not even going to rest. We're not going to enjoy a cup of coffee until this, uh, this uh, final son of yours comes to see us. Because perhaps the Lord has chosen him. Little is much when God is in it. And we find in verse 12, he sent and brought him in. Now David, this is David. He was ruddy. He was with all of a beautiful countenance. Hey, he was good looking, right? Uh, he was goodly to look to. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is, this is he. This is the one. This is the one that we need to anoint. And Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And so Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. I apologize for working backwards in this text, but now go back to verse 7. We've seen the conclusion of the whole matter, and we're going to see now the, the, the precipitating events and what led to this. Verse 7, the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance. Don't look at Eliab. Don't look at the oldest son. Don't look at the next in line son, the second oldest, just because they got their ducks in a row and uh, they have great public speaking abilities that would be befitting of a king, or or just because uh, they know how to articulate and have a way with words or a way with women or a way with uh, 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 chariots and toys and whatever. Even if he looks like a leader, God's not looking for those who just look like a leader. He says, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature. Notice, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. I'm just trying to get this thing up. Lord looketh on the heart. I think there are two applications to this verse. I mean, the primary application uh, would be, hey, the Lord seeth, not as man seeth. God looks at my heart. We see two separate instances in the New Testament. Hey, well, uh, in one, one, one section we see, hey, judge not that ye be not judged. And then on the other side we see, Uh, judge righteous judgment and this is what the skeptic calls a contradiction they might say oh well the bible's filled with contradictions we can't trust the bible because in one uh, one place in one situation it seems jesus is saying judge not and then on the other side he's saying judge righteous judgment what's going on here judge not that you be not judged don't look on the outside Do not assume people's motives, but you can judge if an action is right or wrong. Yes, that's right. Judge that you be not judged. We're not to judge people's uh, uh, actions. No one knows why people do what they do. But we are able to say, hey, homosexuality, that's a sin. Sodomy, that's a sin. Lying, that's a sin. Adultery, that's a sin. Uh, Dishonesty, that's a sin. No matter how small, you could say worry, that's a misplaced trust, a split trust, reveals a mistrust that is not in Christ alone. Hey, worry, 
is a sin. He says, cast all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Evil thought patterns, that's a sin. Sin is anything I think, anything I say, anything I do that breaks God's law and his heart. But God looks on the heart. He knows why you do what you do. And so it doesn't really matter how you dress, right? It doesn't really matter what music you listen to. It doesn't matter where you go, what you say. That's the message of tolerance that the world preaches, right? You can't judge me. Every major A-list celebrity seems to say, ah, you can't judge me. Why would I give you a second of my 24-hour day? For you to judge me, I don't have time to be judged by you. And so that's why we need to be speaking in the spirit of love. So that there is no chance that we'll be below reproach in this area. It's going to be obvious um, in the life of Miss Ross, in Pastor Turner's life. Hey, there's a man, there's a woman that loves the Lord. And when, I, when I'm around them, I'm convicted of my sin. I, 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 I realize, wow, I have to do better. I li- have to live an upright life, not so I can impress them, but because I notice in their life there's a unique difference and a unique change in their life since they've been born again. Judge not that you be not judged. Judge righteous judgment, accurate judgment. We can still judge. We can still judge actions, but don't you dare judge somebody's motive. No one knows why we do what we do but the Lord. And so have the right motives. That was an aside, but we notice, hey, man looks on the outward appearance. You cannot take away from that. Because man looks on the outward appearance, be thou an example among the believers. That's why we talk about, you know, how we act, what we say. I think those two things are a little bit more important than, you know, how you dress and how and the music you listen to, but all those things all, all add up because what's on the inside comes out, right? And some, and so, some people get concerned, like, you know, like, oh, wh- wh- what, about, what about the clothes, how they look? And some people get so obsessed with that that they forget and they neglect the needful thing, and that is the heart, so, 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 so wait a minute. Hey, uh, I'll be the first in line. Hey, let's have all the right standards. You know, uh, let, let, let's, let's have the right convictions. Let's listen to good godly music. Let's speak the truth in love. But uh, you, you, can't, you, you can't be uh, judging someone's motives. Maybe they're growing in the Lord. So extend some grace. Be gracious. Be kind. You know, and, and, uh, I, I think my brother is away from the Lord right now because instead of Extending an olive branch and putting my arm around his shoulder, I had my hands around his neck. Don't do that. Sometimes what someone needs is love. Sometimes they don't need our uh, condemnation. Hey, you notice the life of Jesus? He saved his greatest indictment for the religious leaders, for the spiritual people, for the people who thought they were spiritual. And, you know, uh, many times that's why I believe that um, pastors should be holy men, should be a men that are led of God and uh, that, that, that aren't 
uh, living in open sin or secret sin or any sin. But, because, listen, what, what God expects from everyone, he demands from his preachers. What God expects from everyone. But in each of our lives, we need to be living a life that is an example, regardless if you're young or old. I know, I know Paul wrote to Timothy, hey, you're young. But regardless of your age, be an example of the believers. High schooler, teens, young, young person, look right up here. Hey, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. We're going to have a great time at youth conference. God's going to work in our lives. You know, I, 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 I'm really anticipating that God's going to do something great, and I hope you are too. Amen. I hope you are too. But, but you, you, you need to realize, hey, uh, we're not sending you just to have a good time. Your parents aren't, uh, you know, shucking $200 out of their pocket and, you know, all this fundraising, all this work, all this labor. I hope you thank Brother Marshall for driving us. Good night. He's going to have to put up with all of us. But we are not sending you there. On your final year, maybe it's grade 12, grade 11, where you just go and hear some preaching and hang out with friends and then come home exactly the same. I've been around long enough to know that probably is going to happen with some of you. But my prayer is that it won't. My prayer is that it won't. I'm praying that we'll all make it safely to shore. I'm praying that none of you will graduate and then 10 years down the line, look back and see what a mess of a life you've made. And then some of you, some, some of you, you, you say, Brother Kevin, I've already messed up. Pastor Kevin, I've already goofed up. God is the God of second chances. You know, you're looking at a prodigal son right now. I'm grateful God gives second chances and third chances and fourth chances. God loves you too much to let you stay the way you are. I'll close with this. I, I, I heard the story once of, a, of an artist, and he was walking down the street one day. And we've all heard the story of the prodigal son. And we've all heard the story of those who've walked away from the Lord. But, you know, he was thinking about maybe, maybe today I'll, 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 I'll paint a room. Maybe today I'll, I'll, I'll paint a, some homeless person out on the street. And the artist found his muse. He found somebody sitting uh, on, on, on a porch, and he was covered in flies, and he smelled, and beer bottles everywhere, and the artist said, great, well, maybe if we paint the depths of human depravity, and we see things for as they are, the dirty, dark, and old, maybe uh, it'll move somebody's heart, and so he, he, he talked to the homeless man, and he said, uh, sir, wouldn't you like to be the next subject of my painting? Because I'm an artist, and I like to paint things, and I like to paint people just in their natural environment and as they are. But if you'll come to my studio, here's my business card. If you'll come to my studio, and I'll, I'll, I'll paint you, and then, uh, you know, I'll, I promise to pay you, but if, 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 if you come over, I, 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 I can make sure, hey, you'll, you'll have food, you'll have a bed, we'll take care of you. We'll take care of you. But, but meet me at this time tomorrow. Meet me at this time tomorrow and do not be late. The, the homeless man was agreeable to that. He said, well, okay, all right. And the artist left. But once you know it, that homeless man had a little more money than the artist thought he did. And so what he did in the next couple hours, 
he uh, got a haircut. He got, got himself a new uh, set of shoes, got some Air Maxes on. And, uh, you know, uh, and actually, you know, he thought he'd buy another one. So he got some floor shines and, you know, he, he got two pairs of shoes. And he says, well, I'm not sure which one to wear, but we'll, we'll see if he kind of wants the, the casual look or the, the suited up look. And he buys himself a nice new, nice new suit. And, and uh, he combs his hair and he shaves and he takes a shower at a friend's place. And he's all cleaned up and he's all cleaned up. And he walks in the artist studio the next day. And he says, oh, you going to paint my portrait? Well, I'm ready for you. I'm all dressed up. We're all ready to go. And the artist said, who, who, who are you? I, I, don't, I don't remember talking to anybody like you. I don't recognize you at all. And, and, and the homeless man said, it, it's me. It's me. It's the fellow you saw on Main Street. I was just sitting on the porch. And, and you know, you, you saw me. I, I had a bottle in my hand. And a, and you would talk to me how, how you wanted to get my portrait. So here I am. Here I am to get my portrait painted. You know what the artist said? He said, oh, no, 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 no. I want you just as you were. Just as you are. I, I was going to make a masterpiece. And you ruined everything by trying to clean it up yourself. And you know what, you know what I think? We, we live in the generation of people that are trying to clean themselves up from the inside and trying to manufacture success. We can't do that with God. And I think God has different motives than that artist. He wasn't trying to make money. God's not trying to make money or monopoly or anything out of, out of you that would be not good. God wants to make a masterpiece out of your life. Amen. God's molding a masterpiece. And so, so, so my encouragement to all of us is stop waiting for a dynamite sermon uh, to change your life. You're sitting with your arms crossed and waiting uh, for somebody. Hey, uh, if, if the evangelist will just come by and uh, bring revival out of his briefcase, then maybe I'll listen and maybe I'll change my life. Maybe I'll live for God. So many of us were waiting for some American white man who will come from across the border and just shuck the corn and shake the bush and we'll all be spoken to and he'll preach out of some obscure passage from the Old Testament and we'll all come down to the altar and we'll all get right with God and then we'll, we'll come to church seven days a week and our lives will be changed. That's not it. We're not sitting on our hands waiting for Jesus to come back. We're not created to sit soak and sour. We're saved by the grace of God. We're saved to serve. We're saved to be involved. We're saved, uh, we're saved to be a witness. And we know. I, I, I was just talking with somebody the other day while, 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 while uh, uh, soul winning. We're giving out invitations, gi giving out tracts. I'm not going to mention his name because maybe he's watching on live stream. Maybe he'll come tonight. I don't know. But, but I said, hey, you know, sir, God is angry with the wicked every day. And there's a real place called heaven. And there's a real place called hell. And real people go there. I'm telling you this truth today, sir, because I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to go to heaven to be with Jesus. And Jesus is God and he loves you. And he wasn't ready to accept the truth right then and there. But he heard the truth in us. We're to speak the truth in love. And you know what he told me? He texted me like... Uh, just about 16 hours ago, and he said, you know what, thank you so much for sharing the truth in me, with me. Uh, I, I'm from Mexico, and I just, uh, I was, 
I just felt this feeling in me that what you were saying was true. And I told him, hey, that's the Holy Spirit of God working in your life. Stop waiting. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It is said today if you will hear his voice. Harden not your hearts. Aren't you tired of running? You live to fight and you fight to live and you draw your breath and you draw your salary. You create a comfortable nest for you and your family. But if you were broke, you'd be equally miserable. So why don't you try God? And don't just try God, trust him. He's worth your investments of time and energy. After all, you tried everything anyway. Jesus is God and he loves you. He loves you so much that Jesus became a man. Deity rose in humanity. The best Christmas gift ever. And he gave himself to you. He died on a cross. He lived a sinless life. He never sinned. He died on a cross to pay the punishment for our sin because we couldn't get to heaven on our own. He had to pay a price. God is a righteous, holy God. He had righteous demands. And he can't transgress against himself. So you know what he did? He stood in the way of his own anger. He stood in the way of his own wrath. And he says, you know what? I'll, 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 I'll pay for Miss Saba's sin. And Miss Mansare's sin. And Miss Gloria's sin. And Brother Jose's sin. And Pedro's sin. Miss Erica's sin. I'll pay for that. Where all the wicked things they thought, said, and done, and everything they will do in the future, I'm going to spread my arms out like this. Three nails on two pieces of wood. I love you this much. Don't run away from God. And don't you dare trample on the blood of the one who gave his life to you and wants to work through you. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 4. Again, I considered all travail and every white work that for this a man is envied of his neighbor, working hard and getting money and doing our best and trying to live a decent life. This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. You know the most important thing, parent? You know the most needful thing is that you walk with God and that I walk with God. Everything else is going to fix itself after that. This is the only book this side of heaven that God has ever written. It's basic instructions for leaving earth, his Bible, B-I-B-L-E. And so let's apply it to our lives and be thou an example among the believers so that when they see your life, they're encouraged and they realize who is the king of the universe? Who is the God of your life? And that that peace that passes all understanding that you have, they will desire it for themselves. Now, you cannot lead a horse to drink. You can lead him to water, but you can't make him drink. Not everyone's going to accept the truth. Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Narrow is the way. Few there be that enter in thereat. Be thou an example among the believers.